This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Do you find it challenging working on your collector car? Advantage Lifts has the solution for you with their selection of two and four post lifts. Advantage's two post lifts provide an unparalleled amount of versatility. Each wheel can spin freely and be worked on individually, and you'll have full access to those hard-to-reach parts of the undercarriage. And best of all, Advantage's two post lifts are ready to ship now. Get $100 off by using code TCCP for the Collector Car Podcast. Again, that's TCCP. You can find your perfect Advantage lift by calling 763-300-5730. That's 763-300-5730. And don't forget to use the promotional coupon code TCCP. CCP. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. If you're listening to this podcast, you know I love everything automotive. This passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for RM Sotheby's. So if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions, including Scottsdale, Amelia Island, or Monterey, you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. All right. Well, welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. This is a big mega Monterey review. And for this episode, I have a special guest, Rory Carroll. Rory, how are you doing today? Not too bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now, we have just met just before this call, <laughs> officially. Yeah. Um, I wanted our, to our best efforts previously. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I wanted to find out, you're semi-new to Arm Sotheby's, and this is your first time on the podcast. If you would give our listeners a little overview of you know, what you do for RM as long as, as well as what you've done in the past in the automotive world. Yeah. So, um, I'm currently the, uh, the head of marketing and communications. Um, like I said, fairly new, I, I came out in the spring, uh, prior to that, I was running Jalopnik, uh, the car website. And then prior to that, I was, uh, running a custom content agency out of crane communications. Um, and then prior to that, I was, uh, head of auto week magazine. So I was a publisher there. Um, and I was there for, for quite a while, um, seven or eight years. And then, uh, had stops at Haggerty and done, done some other, uh, old car stuff. Um, I was a, a freelancer for the New York times wheels blog and kind of been around cars for the last, um, you know, 20 years or so. Wow, that's really great. Now, where do your tastes in cars lie? Are you pre-war? Are you muscle car? Are you exotic? Are you Porsches? What are you? Um, you know, it, it depends on the day. I think. I think like I own a Porsche. I own um, an old 911, and then I have a um, a Willie CJ2A. I have a Lada um, that is now being built into a hill climb car. I have um, kind of messed around with American stuff, and um, I have a lot of kind of soft spots in, in different areas i think like not really i would say a particular taste i guess um i i have been like lately into like big uh late 60s early 70s american cars um uh, i think that's that's something that's like not it's a type of car that's not represented on the new car market at all um you know, there, there really isn't like a big, comfy American car with rear wheel drive and a V8 um, available anymore. Uh, there are big, comfy, uh, you know, rockets like the the Cadillac uh, CT5V Blackwing. Right. Um, but there's not there's not, you know, like a, um, 
I just did a road trip in a uh, Buick Electra Deuce and a Quarter uh, 67 and drove it from middle of Missouri to Detroit uh, in one go. And it was like, you know, it's it's just such an excellent experience and such a such a good um like i said it's a car experience that you can't get on the new market so like i've been kind of captivated by by those types of cars lately but you know give me a, a month i think like being on pebble beach i'll probably uh find a whole host of, of pre-war cars to fall in love with and um you know we'll we'll start the cycle again yeah yeah wow that's great well i appreciate you being on the podcast uh, hopefully we'll have you on a few more times as we have some cool stuff come up to uh, to public auction. So like you said, pre-war cars, we've got a lot of pre-war cars here. And I think the biggest thing I wanted to get out in, in, in the open at the beginning here is just the scope of this sale. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It'll be record setting. I've tried to capture some broad strokes as far as number of cars and some of the things we have going on here. Uh, so this is 263 cars, one painting that will be sold yeah. uh, over three nights in August, August 18th through the 20th. Um, I did interview Kelly Teffler, who is donating this painting. So if you want to hear more about that, go listen to my interview with Kelly. Uh, that's posted now. And so just from a broad strokes perspective, the low estimate ballpark is over $250 million in cars. 265 is what I put it at. And the high estimate is 325 million. So you're talking $300 million in three nights, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it you know, as as the the marketing guy here and as the PR guy here, um, in a given year, usually you'll have you know maybe a handful. A good year, you'll have a handful of like star cars where it's like, okay, these are our, our bell cows, and and the the sale is going to kind of succeed or fail on the performance of these cars. And these are the ones that get all the media attention. These are the ones that are on the the um, magazine ads and all that stuff. And like. Going through the list this year, it has been, you're spoiled for choice, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, it's like you, you don't want to leave any of these cars out. You don't want to give any of them a short shrift, but um, it's it has been genuinely difficult to, to represent uh, this massive uh, collection of, of significant cars. You know, it's not, uh, you know, we talk about record sales, um, previous record sales, um, our our volume affairs over several days and um you know we're talking about a thousand plus cars this is like you said a you know 200 and i think you said 265 is that right 260 some cars yeah 263, 263. you're averaging over a million dollars a car right exactly so yeah and it's it is a i guess it's uh you know they'd say a good problem to have but um but it genuinely has been difficult to uh, to contain all of it and to and to represent everything in our marketing um, and our PR. So we're we're running really hard in the office, um, and the, the team is has been incredible. I think um, we're we're set to launch a catalog tomorrow, um, which is the twenty second. If uh, this this will come out after that, so um, it'll be live by by the time this comes out. But um, we're way ahead of schedule, and and everybody's kind of um working very diligently to get everything up but um but yeah it's been it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot of very significant very important cars yeah yeah and just to give everybody kind of a sneak peek into this because i've done a deep dive i mean you could start with our number 10 car from evaluation and that's a star car by by any stretch so 
just to review our top five cars, and I'll go more. In, we'll go more in depth here in a, in a second. The fifth most valuable car. <laughs> this is crazy. 1958 Maserati 450S estimates nine to eleven million. I mean, that would be a star car in its own right, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of those Oscar Davis cars. We just had um, five of them in New York at Sotheby's on display, and um, really can't say enough about the condition of the cars and the kind of stewardship of, of Oscar Davis um, over the years, keeping these cars in excellent condition and um, and just, yeah, beautifully, beautifully uh, preserved. Um, and that car is uh, a total goosebumps car. We we moved it into um, to Sotheby's office late uh, last Wednesday. And so I got to, to have some some real hands on time kind of um, pushing and and um, positioning those cars and it um, like I said you, you just can't say enough about how, how well they've been cared for uh, how well they present today and then you know obviously the significance and, and kind of desirability of, of something like that is um, again it's it's the number you said number 10 car number, number five, five car number, number five, five car on the list here <laughs> but any other year in Monterey you'd be like you know this would be the cover of every uh, everything we put out so um, but yeah, really cool, like really uh, beefy, you know, total 50 sports racer, um, you know, uh, a Mach 5 or, or um, uh, speed racer type car where it's just yeah. like it's so out there and so aggressive um, and such a, yeah, such a, uh, a hairy looking car. It's It's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, yeah. For my listeners, uh, this is kind of the overview episode. I will go more in depth on some of these cars. So be sure to stick around as well as some of the fun facts about each of these cars, because we just can't get into the details on all these on this podcast, but we'll do what we can. Uh, the next one. So this one's pretty interesting. 1938 Talbot Lago Teardrop Coupe. Now, if you remember, I believe it was Amelia. This was the biggest winning car of the weekend for all of the auction houses. Uh, I think Gooding had it and it sold for somewhere around 12 to 14 million dollars. And to your point, that, that was the biggest car the whole weekend. And this is our number yeah. four car. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, this is actually one of my favorites, though. It It is incredibly striking in person. It's a, it's a really, like, in a lot of the photos, it looks black, but it's almost like an eggplant color, like okay. a purple. Um, so incredibly striking. And then, obviously, the idea of this car having been built to run at Le Mans, which it did, is... Uh, totally impossible to imagine uh like yeah. like competing in a car that looks uh the way this car does and i think that was one uh you know we we hosted um uh, international media in in new york and that was a car that i don't think a ton of people in, in kind of the non-car non-hobby hobby media were super familiar with um but it was an absolute showstopper when you, you could follow people around the gallery um and when they caught that car that was one that you know jaws dropped eyes widened it's like such an incredible shape and so uh, again it's you know another oscar davis car that is just um immaculate and everything works exactly as it should the the travel on the door handles is exactly the right uh everything is calibrated the correct way it's like uh flawless smells great you know like <laughs> like it it's it, it is um yeah, just just an incredible piece, and um, 
one that's that's almost impossible to imagine owning and driving because it's just so pretty and so well uh well presented yeah yeah it's really beautiful car and and just to give a little update on this i didn't say this earlier but the first two cars we mentioned the low estimate on each car is nine million dollars and the high estimates 11 uh broad strokes here but for the top five because i don't have the uh an estimate on the what the number two car uh we're talking yeah. 70 to 85 million dollars for our top five cars which is just nuts uh the next one's yeah. a mercedes 1937 mercedes 540k special roadster now i i did my math on this and we had like 26 mercedes you know a lot of them pre-war uh, in yeah. the sale estimates nine to 12. Uh, what do you know about the, uh, Mercedes there? Yeah. I mean, the, the collection, um, is, is kind of been a closely guarded secret, um, as, as far as who these, uh, cars are coming from, but the, um, another just huge collection of, um, you know, a, a collector with a very particular taste, I'd say. Um, but also, um, you know, one one of those things where it's like, okay, we we have um, one or two uh, significant pre-war Mercedes. We can probably figure out who the buyers for those cars are. You get two to five or three to five, and and you're you're looking for a few more buyers. And then uh, with a collection like this, uh, you're you know, it's uh, it becomes um, again one of those things where it's like, how do how do we how do we represent these cars, these individual cars, which are in any other sale, um, a highlight of the sale. Uh, and now they're, they're among, uh, what do you say? 30, 36, 26, uh, yep. 26, 26 Mercedes. who are yeah. uh, American cars or, or Mercedes cars. Yeah. Um, but this is again, a very striking, striking car. It's actually here in Chatham. Um, so I've been able to walk over to it a bit and, um, obviously, you know, obviously incredible. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be a fun night. We actually have some, um, fun kind of uh activations with with mercedes with the factory with their um hosted media out there in in monterey so really cool to be able to to bring a collection like this to market and it's been such a huge um part of kind of the pebble beach story this year having this this collection of almost entirely pre-war cars almost entirely best of the best stuff the uh Ispana suiza that's in the collection it's just mind-boggling the tulip wood um but being able to have a sale on thursday night and bring uh cars like the special roadster and this Espana suiza um really really a neat thing for us and and really like that's been a, a pet project of gord duff who i'm sure has been on um the show and our head of auctions and it's it's like you know this group of cars is his his kind of white whale dream collection um so it's been awesome to see him realize it and um you know hopefully we we sell them uh sell them well and get them to uh to new homes that that really love them and care for them yeah yeah and we have two more cars just to cover in our top five but sure. i do want to say there is a, there are a lot of other cars coming up here briefly because i kind of broke it up into groups of everyday cars to uh next gen cars yeah. so it's a lot of pre-war stuff but we got some incredible other items now i need you to take this next one the 1998 mclaren f1 because this has been internally announced, and as we're recording, it hasn't been publicly announced, but it will be by the time this publishes. So I don't have all the information. So uh, tell us a little bit about the McLaren F1 we have coming. Yeah. So this is this is a um, not that there are not that there are normal McLaren F1s, uh, <laughs> but this is this is a unique car. It's got it's got special headlights. It's got um, 
a very rare, I think it's one of six um, body kits, um, a high downforce kit. Um, obviously, it's 200 from new, uh, very low mileage. I think it's um, it's 15, 16,000 miles. Um, incredibly incredible condition car, um, but one that we haven't provided an estimate on. Um, I would say for me and people of kind of my generation who who um, grew up as car people, this is equivalent to a 250 G- GTO or to, you know, name your your blue chip uh, market leading type car. I, I, I believe the McLaren F1 is, you know, certainly among, if not the greatest sports car ever made. Um, it, I grew up feeling that way. And I think there's probably a number of, of collectors who, um, you know, who are in the market for a car like this, who uh, had kind of a similar uh, viewpoint on it. So I think um, this will actually be sold outside of the auction proper. This is uh, will be sold in a, a novel um, a novel format so that we've we've done this a handful of times already. It's a process that we invented. Um, it's now being named Sotheby's sealed. Um, but it's uh, a sealed bid process uh, with a couple kind of variations. It's done all electronically. Um, so the car will be on display at uh, the Portola. It'll be available for view, um, but it will not roll ac- across the block and it will not be sold during auction hours. I think it closes Saturday afternoon. Um, so it's a it's a really cool process. There's there's more information about uh, about it on the site and there will be uh, kind of instructions and, and details on how to how to get involved if you're a bidder. Um, but it's something we're really proud of and I think something that you know, since since bring a trailer um, is the first really novel digital uh, auction format that I know of. So um, it's it's really cool. Uh, it's it's very private. Um, you don't see what the other bids are as a bidder, um, and you don't actually see the final hammer price um, as the uh, no one sees it. So so we'll make a decision on. Um, uh, whether to release it, and, and usually that involves the consigner as well. Um, but it um, it's a really neat process. It's very competitive, um, and we see a, a ton of we've seen a ton of great feedback from from bidders saying how exciting it was and how much fun it is to buy a car this way. So um, I'm excited about it. Not only is it is it you know a car that you feel uh, privileged to even be in the same room as, uh, but but then selling it on our own proprietary platform, um, you know, an invention that was, that came from, you know, right here in, in Ontario, uh, is pretty cool. Yeah, no, that is really great. So I'm curious to see, you know, the activity around that, obviously, and I can't wait to, hopefully I'll have some pictures posted if you're watching this on YouTube, so you can see what a beautiful car it is. And the last one sold, I think sold publicly for about $18 million, just to give our listeners a little bit of a taste for what these things have been going for. And, Crazily enough, that's not our number one car for for the for the auction, right? Our number one car is this 1955 Ferrari 410 Sports Spider, low estimate 25 million, high estimate 30 million dollars. And I know this one has got the the who's who of race car drivers piloting yeah. this car, right? Name name a driver. Um, uh, name <laughs> name an iconic uh, 1950s driver. Um, I think this is this is again, you know, very much in the the model of the uh, the 450s, just that total speed racer um, 
super hairy, super uh, uh, super powerful fifties sports racer that like is is the um, ab- absolute type. You know, like it's it's very representative of that type of car. Um, the history here, uh, I think Carol Shelby won eight races in this car. Um, and it, um, actually has an inscription from Carol. Uh, there's a lot of cars that obviously that have been signed by Carol Shelby over the years. Uh, but this one has a, a note on the gas tank that says, um, something like Mr. Ferrari told me this is the best car they ever made. Um, and it, it obviously drives beautifully. It would be welcome, uh, you know, any event anywhere in the world, um and it but it's just so striking in person it's it is such a presence it's a monster of a car um you know it's it's uh like i said it's it is uh exemplary of the type of 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 50 sports race cars that we all think of when we think of kind of the golden era so um really excited to see how that one does um hopefully get to hear it run one more time before it uh leaves our (laughs) leaves our custody um but yeah just just a really spectacular thing now that one had uh, Fangio drove it as well as yeah. Phil Hill, and 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 it's kind of the car Carroll Shelby made his name in, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, you can see why he he had such affection for the car. He was he was very successful in it. Um, but yeah, it's it, like I said, yeah, Phil Hill, Fangio, uh, Carroll Shelby. I mean, make me a list of, of cars that were touched by those three. Uh, let alone the the other um, the other names who are associated with the car, it's it's pretty short. So, um, yeah, we'll be we'll be very cool to see how the market responds, and um, hopefully, it goes to somebody who's uh, going to bring it out to Laguna Seca and and keep it going to Goodwood and and keeping it uh, in front of people who who want to hear it and see it. It's an incredible car. Yeah, I totally agree, and I can't wait to see it in person. I haven't seen it. I saw the wonderful video that we posted, but. I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, that was the that's the highest estimate car for the sale. And just to show the wide variety of cars being offered here, the lowest estimate is actually a Crosley three quarters midget for twenty to thirty grand. So, uh, you know, you can buy over a thousand midgets for the price of that one Ferrari. Yeah, so, yeah. a little bit of something for everyone. Uh, the yeah. other thing I wanted to to point out is the range. So our oldest offering is a nineteen twelve Rolls Royce silver ghosts and our newest offering we actually have two of them and i want you to specifically talk about one of these if you could uh one of them is a 2022 porsche 911 gt3 touring and the other one is the one i find really fascinating and i know i believe by the time this release the actual really the big update will our announcement will come out tomorrow uh being august the 12th at the time uh is the 2022 porsche sally special exclusive series uh, is there something yeah. you can share with us, even though the official announcement is not until tomorrow? Yes, totally. Um, I'm I'm very excited about this car. This um, is actually a project that um, is is coming kind of from the mind of two good friends of mine um, who work at Pixar, Jay Ward and Bob Pauly. Uh, Bob is a, a character designer who's who um, had a, a ton of uh, kind of iconic characters to his name. Um, he and and Jay have been working and kind of. Uh, with Porsche uh, on how to kind of represent the character of Sally Carrera. You remember the the 996 from the original Cars movie, how to represent that in a modern car that you can own and drive. Um, It is being built today as we speak. Uh, We'll be ready uh, for uh, for Monterey come hell or high water. Um, (laughs) But it is in that that iconic shade um, that we recall from the movie. Um, but also just a, a very cool 
um, piece of pop culture. And, you know, if you're a Porsche person or uh, really a car person, it's it's hard to kind of overstate the um, the role that, you know, the, those films uh, have, have played in, in making new enthusiasts as we, um, you know, it's, it's I think came out in 2006 or something like that. But um, a generation or, or uh, a lot of a lot of kids who are just now reaching uh, car owning age grew up on those movies and fell in love with cars uh, in, in large part because of those movies. Um, and so, so to be able to work with with Pixar and, and Porsche to create something um, that's being sold uh, for the benefit of charity, too, um, is is super cool. And again, Bob and, and Jay are fantastic to work with and just brilliant creative minds um and especially jay is just um incredibly credible and um knowledgeable car guy so um, that project will be very cool i'm very interested to see uh what it sells for um but i'm I'm super excited to to be associated with it it should be very very cool yeah i was fortunate to meet jay at an event uh, a couple weeks ago and what was funny is I was outside of this event and I saw this incredible motorcycle sitting out front. So incredible. I had to take like a couple pictures of it. Yeah. I get inside. It turns out it's Jay's. I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, he wrote it. I don't know how far he wrote it, but it was it was a ways, you know, so yeah. super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. The last time uh, I spent time with him was at Pebble Beach um, a couple years ago now, um, but it was pre-COVID and we ended up the two of us driving around for an hour and a half trying to find uh and fix a, a, a turn signal fault in his 911 <laughs> uh which is a, a super cool super original i think it's a 76 um but uh yeah the two of us uh scratching our heads and trying to figure out an electrical fault was a it was a fun night but it was uh yeah it was, he's a great guy and again such a car guy and such like a wealth of knowledge from all types of cars. Um, so again, super cool to have him involved. Well, and next I do want to go over like some of the, I don't want to say everyday cars, but there's, there's some cars here that are, uh, that appeal to a wide variety of folks. And so yeah. we have, you know, we have Porsches, we have race cars, we have pre-war royalty, we have JDM cars, we have muscle cars. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to change this up a little bit. I'll give you five cars and you talk about the one that speaks to you most. Okay. Uh, I already know which one you're going to talk about because you mentioned it earlier. All right. So we've got a 1955 Porsche type 597. I don't know how to say this. Jagwagon. Jagwagon. Yeah. Yeah. So military Porsche amphibious vehicle. We have a 2004 uh, Jeff Gordon Chevy Monte Carlo NASCAR. We have a 2000, I'm sorry, a 1924 Hispano Sueza uh, Tulip Wood Torpedo. Uh, JDM car, we got a 1995 Nissan Skyline GTR as well as a couple other ones. And then the last one I'll give you is the 2012 Shelby GT350 convertible, which is fairly rare for that generation. So which one do you want to kind of go a little bit more in depth on? Uh, that that actually is very tough. I think like um, the the <laughs> Jaguar. Cool <laughs> yeah, the, the tulip wood I, I will talk about. And I if Gore, if I don't, Gore will kill me. But um, that is that is I think without without sounding like a uh, like a jaded uh, you know been in the business for too long, I think if you go to car shows uh, like Pebble Beach and you go to auctions and and all that stuff, it's easy to kind of become blind uh, where you can you can walk through walk uh, by a row of cars that if you saw on the street you'd stop and and photograph and you know try to find the owner or whatever. Um, 
it, that tulip wood is no matter who you are and kind of where you've been and what you've seen it is a shocking car in person i mean talk about presence um talk about the condition is is incredible um but seeing that car go down the road as we have uh for the last couple weeks here in chatham is shocking i mean it, it is as big a presence as as any you know eight liter bentley or or whatever the the big presence car that comes comes to mind when you think of a car that you can almost see coming before you see it um that thing is mind-boggling and you know gord will say probably the most uh important espanos ways that have come to market uh you know recently maybe ever um but yeah just just a you know it's it's not a car that uh, i think kids grew up with uh on a poster on their wall you know thinking about oh man if i could own that espano someday that would really be something but it's a car that when you see it, it is an absolutely undeniable presence and it's like it is such an event um such a cool thing but that that jaguar actually we had in la in um at a press preview and again like uh a car that probably not a lot of people unless you're myron vernus uh spent a ton of time thinking about but um do you just give myron a, a shout out out of akron you know you know myron is a big oh he's a buddy guy. yeah oh my yeah. god yeah, yeah yeah he i actually have a set of uh, pasha porsche seats that he gave me uh on the condition that i get my car running which it's still not but uh <laughs> uh out of his he i think he had a jag wagon that was uh like painted yellow had the pasha seats had a roll bar and was like kind of sported out like kind of uh sounds like myron yeah 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 so i have the pasha seats out of his jagged wagon and actually i sent him a picture of uh i don't know if i'm supposed to say this or not but he's i sent him a picture of that car at the la press preview with people kind of crowding crowding around it and he actually corrected one of the bullet points on our um on our initial uh you know the little the sheet that we have on all the auction cars so he knows them um and it, that is a very cool car i mean a, a very, very like totally unexpected would be awesome to show up anywhere and i love that little thing um and then i think you know i'm not going to name name check every car in here i will say the jeff gordon car is is very cool i think um to me i think uh cup cars with with significant history you know a lot of these cars um are either in uh uh dealer jr's backyard uh or uh you know we're kind of tossed off or, or or lived second lives racing or whatever um we're not necessarily thought as super valuable but i think like um as as golden era cup cars become more scarce um i think i'm very interested to see if a market could develop for those cars um like i said i i think like Old race, old, old cop cars were disposable and and often were disposed. But I think that was the case with a lot of race cars historically. And I think, um, just like golden era sports racing cars, um, created an emotional connection with people who later became uh, collectors and, and connoisseurs. I think, um, you know, maybe not at the same scale, or, or maybe maybe it is at the same scale. Um, but there are a lot of people who are very passionate about those cars and have some um some very important memories of those cars so i i, I like i kind of keep an eye on those and um very interested to see what this one does and i think you know like obviously it would be a super fun thing to own 
to have in, in your garage. So, um, yeah, there's, again, totally spoiled for choice, incredible variety of things. But, um, yeah, I'm interested to see where that one goes. All right, you gave me two things I got to follow up on here real quick. Yeah. And I actually have to get up because uh, this is a shout-out to Myron. This is this is what this is what Myron gave me. You can see oh, this cool. online. Let me see if I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the uh, I think it's bourbon in a <laughs> 1964 <laughs> and a half uh, Mustang ceramic. When I went there, he had a whole pile of them. He got somewhere, and he knows I'm a Mustang guy, so he handed one. And uh, it's in the box from 19 whatever 72 or something. So. Uh, Myron's a great guy. Uh, the other thing yeah, is just, yeah, for our listeners to understand this tulip wood Hispano Suiza, just to picture it, you can go online and you can see the pictures. You can watch this video on YouTube. But I guess, you know, kind of picture a pre war, like you said, a Bentley or a Rolls, but just in different shades of gold. I mean, because it's what yeah. made out of copper and, and brass, and you got the stained right. wood that goes to a torpedo yeah. tail. Yeah, and it, you, you can kind of imagine, um, you know, it was, it was a race car and it was built. Um, the thinking was that the, the wood body would be lightweight. Um, but it is absolutely mind-boggling to imagine forming that it's a very curvy for the period um, sort of arrow body, uh, but all all wood, all obviously completely handmade with copper um and brass and um yeah just just a, a sight to behold and really like um unlike or, or mostly unlike any any pre-war car that i i've been around um uh, like i said it, it's just stops in your tracks and uh you know goes down the road really really well gord's been driving it around a, a bunch and um yeah it's just it's a it's a shocking thing it's a it's a very exciting car i think there's two some um you know as a lot of the cars of the era um there were some modifications and changes made to the body um gord has been um i think when he talks to people who are potentially buyers of the car talking about uh, talk uh, has talked to them about kind of bring it back to its original specification or um or or kind of uh, bringing it back out uh, uh to show again kind of in a different a different slightly different look so um yeah it, it, just an, an incredible thing and and i think again a car i hope we'll see um at some of the bigger concours uh in the years to come sure yep well i know we have a lot of cars left and i'm going to give you kind of go through this in some big buckets here and i want you to pick out what you want to talk about basically so i mentioned we have a lot of ferraris we actually have 30 Ferraris, low estimate on the Ferraris is 104 million, high is 127. The ones that stuck out to me, and, and if you would pick one of these, uh, the 1959 Ferrari G250 GTO uh, Tour de France, um, the, two, the uh, 1985 Ferrari 288 GTO is always iconic. Next, you know, that one's going to be around forever. And then the 68 365 GTB4 prototype car. So if you had to kind of give your two cents on one of those, which one would it be? I mean, I know I it's hard. Yeah, that is very, very hard. But I, I will have to say that the 288, um, again, not to not to like date myself, but um, <laughs> that is a car that like uh, absolutely appeals to my um, kind of group B fantasy. Um, but also, I think, you know, historically is very interesting. And 
um, it's it's kind of place as a car that's like coming on and kind of being recognized um, as a as a blue chip car um, is interesting to me. But it it also just looks uh, like that is my platonic ideal of a sports car: big hips, uh, low to the ground, and um, you know something that looks looks modified. You know, it looks right. it looks like it was beefed up to go racing and um yeah that that's the one that sticks out for me i think um those in, in f40s um much as much as it it would i think a lot of people would disagree are some of the coolest looking ferraris ever made obviously there are probably prettier ferraris uh in the history of the company um and certainly the the two cars the other two cars you mentioned are probably uh much prettier in a traditional sense but to me um that 288 is is just more exciting it's just it it is more uh kind of in line with with my um you know w- what i dream about or what i think about would be you know a, a pinnacle type car to own yeah i totally agree with you yep uh, one thing we we haven't actually talked about yet which is shocking when you talk about high dollar pre-war crazy incredible cars we haven't talked about Bugattis, and there's actually ten of them <laughs> coming to the auction. Um, I, give, I just, I, you're giving I me like anxiety it. here, Greg, making these lists of the. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not my intent. But we'll just <laughs> talk about this one briefly. Uh, the one, the highest estimate one is a 1932 Bugatti Type 55 Roadster, one of only 38 built. Uh, so race back in 1932, back when it was new. So, any comments on just the Bugattis in general that are coming to uh, Monterey? Uh, other than, other than the fact that, you know, we're, we're, uh, kind of tasked with obviously finding, um, finding, uh, homes for all of these, these incredible cars. Um, not really. This one is, is very cool, uh, kind of black and yellow, uh, color scheme as, as everyone's kind of probably familiar with seeing, uh, the guys of the era, um, another Oscar Davis car, incredibly, um, well uh presented and and cared for um good racing history um and it should be um sexually rebodied um in period uh and um sorry was it, was it rebodied in period i don't want to be wrong it was, right? yes this is okay. the one i believe that was yep yeah yeah um but yeah uh, another oscar davis car um i think that that collection um you know we we would say is is the most or one of the most important single collections ever to come uh come up for sale so to have it as as part of our monterey sale um pretty mind-boggling and again another car that would be a star um you know would be be the uh the highlight of of uh typical sale right no i agree with you and and i don't want to take you through too many more of my lists here but i do have Two more. So uh, one of them is I wanted to highlight how we have some next gen cars. We got a lot okay. of stuff. Uh, the next gen is going to go after. They've done that before. I mean, I remember, I think it was last year, the very last car we had in the sale was a Skyline. I think it was an R32. And it was that dark kind of purple. And man, there was a crowd waiting around for that one. It's the very yeah. last lot. And it oversold estimate by like $100,000. Yeah. So I have three I picked out. Uh, let's see, a 1994 Nissan Skyline GTR. This is the race car, a uh, yeah. very historic race car from a JDM perspective. 1976 Lancia Stratos. And then one that I 
I really think people have, have, have really started to wake up on a 2010, believe it or not, Tesla Roadster. Yeah. So uh, any comments on these uh, as we wrap things up? Yeah, the Hisami car, um, incredible. We had we had a great, uh, uh, we had the good fortune to, to have Larry Chen shoot those photos. So um, uh, Larry is a, a very accomplished motorsports photographer and um, really knows these cars and, and was very excited to go out and shoot uh, Big Willow. So if you get a chance to go flip through some of the photos of of the um, skylines, do it. They're they're incredible. Uh, this car um, absolutely looks the business. I'm kind of interested to see what a competition car does. Um, it, you know what? How the market responds to a competition car. I think like if you think about high dollar um, recent sales of skylines, to me the ones that come to mind are are obviously road cars. Um, little low mileage and, and unique colors, um, that kind of thing. But I think, you know, the, the, this era of touring car racing in Japan, uh, made a lot of legends and this car has a fantastic history. The livery is absolute knockout, super cool period livery. Um, you know, one of the, one of the liveries that you think about when you think about that, that era of racing. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that car. The Tesla thing is is very interesting to me. I think, um, you know, there are a lot of opinions about uh, the the company Tesla today, but I think those early roadsters are interesting to me as a collectible, as, especially as we kind of edge down the road toward uh, mass market acceptance of electric cars. Um, the, the fact that the cars uh, can have a new battery installed and, and kind of live a second life, um, the fact that they have the Lotus underpinnings, that they have the um, the kind of background of the pre-Elon Musk Tesla. Um, so um, fingerprints of, of the founders of the company on them um, and, and really were kind of, uh, I think, I, uh, everybody would have to admit a turning point um, in, in the story of electric cars. Um, I think they're they're very interesting. I think they're also very limited and very distinct you know i think if you look at a model s uh, model 3 or whatever the the current um you know model s has been in production for what a decade now um largely unchanged um the the roadster was a, a comparatively very short run there aren't a lot of them out there um they're still usable you know if you, if you have access to like i said getting uh, a new battery and and that kind of thing um i think i think they're very interesting and i think like i said it, whatever the opinions are out there i certainly have my opinions of of uh, the company as it is today it's hard to deny that was a um that was a total um shift in the way that the world thought of electric yeah. cars so um i think yeah, I, I'm interested to see, you know, it's one of those cars that you think like, oh, could I buy one today and uh, and hold it? Um, I don't I don't really. I actually I do do that. I just hold the cars forever. I never sell them. That's <laughs> <You> never sell. <laughs> I'm a bad investor in that in that sense. But um, yeah, it, I, I'm really interested to see how those do. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're cool and and would be a fun thing to have, I think, um, especially in, in, in the context of a more uh i would say whatever established type of collection yeah i agree it's industry disrupting technology and it's totally. you know you gotta look out for that stuff um 
All right. So you've said this before from your era growing up, these supercars that were on your, you know, on a poster in your bedroom, whatever it might have been. So I'm big on the last, what I call last analog supercars. I mean, all supercars prior to five years ago were analog, you know, for the most part. So it's really the last ones. These are the ones that had the most power, you know, for the analog generation. I would say 1990 to 2012, 2013. Would you agree with me or would you say a slightly different window? No, I think that's about right. Um, I think, yeah, that's that's exactly right. I think, um, you know, things started to change. I think when you started to see Porsche 918, LaFerrari, McLaren P1, the kind of hybrid era, um, that, that was when... Um, you know the the old formula of like ultra lightweight aggressive aero high power um kind of gave way to to some of the the more uh technologically advanced cars i think you know there there are modern supercars modern hypercars that provide a great um a great uh uh not analog but visceral and kind of real um experience I'm, I'm thinking specifically of like mclaren 720s and uh 675 lt um come to mind immediately there um but i i think you're right i think you know that that late uh it's like when they figured out um engines you know when when engine technology kind of uh hit its its peak um but before they really figured out the the advanced traction control and the advanced computer systems uh, mm-hmm. and then the hybrid thing so it's like um they could they could make a fantastic engine they knew how to make a car handle um tires were starting to get really good um and they really understood aero um you know again i'll say like the, the mclaren f1 i think um for me i can i, I think i could make a fairly compelling case for that being the best best performance car ever made um and i think i think the market is starting to say that too which is really interesting to me and i think um you know that is maybe the the stratospheric example but i think there are um there are cars kind of lower down on the the dollar scale um that the market is starting to respond to cars with manual transmissions cars like you said that that offer a more analog experience than than what's available on the, the modern hypercar market i think like singer is kind of a response to that the the popularity of of singers and the, the desire for those cars um is a response to i think a feeling of um you know modern cars being a bit a bit too tech heavy um yeah all right, so I didn't want to go through all of them because we have a lot. I mean, I, I put, if you go to my website and go to the show notes, I've got like 11 listed here, but I think we have about 15 of these analog supercars. I'll just rattle off a few and let me know if there's one in particular, preferably not the uh, F40 because I already talked about that or the F1, <laughs> something different. But we got a 1991 Jaguar XJ R15, which is super special. Um, you know, we got another Jaguar XJ220. We've got the Ferrari 512M. We got the Mercedes slr mclaren i mean we've got one of my favorites the ferrari super america the lexus lfa which basically delivery miles only um you know the list goes on and on is there one that stands out in your mind you haven't already talked about yeah i mean i think that the jaguars probably um uh i think those to me represent i think you you know the the xj220 especially the, the way that car looks on the road even today is just mind-boggling but i think 
um that represents like i said that, that period of like um figuring out the hypercar formula or the the modern supercar formula um the super america obviously uh is a, a kind of a rap video car for me uh, that i remember from from seeing in, in rap videos as a kid um and then i think um the uh oh, there's one more that you mentioned oh the 512 is is just super rad i mean just like totally insane looking uh race car uh, the uh, bblm um super cool but yeah i think it's got to be the jags for me i mean i think like again also the fact that they were jaguars and jaguar really hasn't come back with a car like that since uh in you know in production they haven't had that like hypercar um presence since then um makes them somewhat more interesting to me um and I, I think too it's like uh having a jag supercar or hypercar or however you want to define it is cool like that's like a it's a little bit different you know like and i can i'll always too like i remember seeing an xj 220 for the first time on the freeway and it was a car another car that you could see coming two miles away it was like yeah uh immediately like oh that's not a ford taurus that's not right. a uh, that's not a corvette it's a different it's a right. different something um so yeah i i think it's got to be the jags for me okay all right well i know we just went through a bunch of cars that are coming up to our monterey sale here and and like i said before i'll have a follow-up episode that goes more in depth on most of these cars i talked about so if you want to hear more be sure to tune into that uh rory anything else you wanted to cover about the big monterey sale coming up no, I, I would say if you're coming to Monterey, come see us and um, come walk around. We'll have a, a preview on Wednesday and, um, you know, come say hello. Uh, if you want to get close to these cars and, and see them up close, uh, it's an incredible opportunity uh, to do it. So certainly say hi to me if you see me. Um, and yeah, I hope to see hope to see a bunch of your listeners out there. Hope to see you out there. I'll You'll be there. Be there? I'll All be right. There. I'll, yeah. I'll be uh, excited to shake your hand. Uh, and catch up a little bit um but yeah uh come see us in monterey and um yeah we'll we'll probably talk to you after that eh yeah yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> have a beer or two right <laughs> yeah yeah well thanks so much rory for joining us on the collector car podcast thanks for having me appreciate it thanks for listening to the collector car podcast don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes and be sure to follow us on instagram and everywhere else at the collector car podcast